0: Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars. Stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. On this edition of Inside Today's Country, we catch up with Regina Saskatchewan artist J.J. Boss, who has a new single, Come Along With Me, and a new album with the same title. will talk about how J.J. got into the music industry, how he became a sound engineer for Emerson Drive, and then decided to go on his own as a solo artist. We'll also talk about the artist that really influenced him. Probably the number one influence would have to be Steve Earle. All that and more as we go Inside Today's Country with J.J. Vars. I refuse
1: to let fear take control, but darkness sometimes finds a way to bleed into your soul. Lost in stormy weather We can ride it out together And the light that leads us home Will be our own
0: Well, it's always a pleasure we get a chance to uh, talk to this fellow who I've known for uh, a few years now and uh, all the way from Saskatchewan, Canada. Where exactly are you in Saskatchewan, J.J. Voss? I'm in Regina. Well, well, thanks for uh, for coming on the uh, the podcast there from the Queen City. It's great to hear your voice on the airwaves. So what's been going on with J.J. Voss these days? Uh, we've got a new single out. We'll talk about that in a bit. But what have you been up to, my friend?
1: Um, Yeah, just... Just getting ready for this release. Um, it's been a long time in the making, and uh, there's been a lot of hurdles and obstacles, like like everybody else in the music industry deals with. And uh, but I'm really, really excited to finally roll this out.
0: Well, how long have you been doing music for?
1: Since the Dead Sea was sick. Is that <laughs> is that appropriate?
0: <laughs> wow, That's a long time ago. Where did it yeah, all Where fun. did it all start from? Uh, Like right out of high
1: school. Uh, In high school, I started my first uh, weekend band and we toured around the local area, playing uh, all the small town bars. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of. And then after I graduated high school, went on the road as a lead guitar player for a few different bands. Back when there was a bar scene, there used to be six night. uh, There used to be six nights of entertainment in. In nightclubs, if you can imagine that,
0: I remember those days. That's and that's really changed.
1: It sure has, yeah. It, it uh, used to be a way to make a living. You'd go out, and uh, I, I think it was it was really good, and it was really not so good. Um, I learned how to play. I, I learned how to listen and and to get my chops up from as a musician mm-hmm. because I was learning every new song that was on the radio because mm-hmm. you had. If you learn the new song that was on the radio and you made people dance and you made them drink beer, you got paid. And that was kind of how you made a living. And at the time, I thought I was in the music business. I mm-hmm. thought I was professional in the music business. But as you got older, you kind of figured out that you were you were just selling beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, who were the bands that you started to tour with when you first got going on that? Uh,
1: probably the first uh, quote-unquote professional one was a Trick Rider out of Moose Jaw, Kelly okay. Bourdais, uh, the fellow who has that band. And um, we did, yeah, we kind of had a regular touring um, radius with from Thunder Bay to uh, uh, Northern Alberta and mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and pretty much everywhere in between. Mm-hmm.
0: And what was that experience like when you first jumped into that band as a young guy?
1: Oh, I said it was the best. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> We were riding around in a, like in a cube truck that uh, you know the windows leaked and uh, it wasn't the most it was for the most part reliable but you know it was an old cube truck and when the winter would come you'd have to if you were driving you'd have to put a toucan so that your left ear wouldn't freeze off because of the leaky window and you know all of that kind of thing we'd be driving six to eight hours between gigs. And that was normally on a Sunday afternoon. Right. Cause, and, and we'd start Monday in a new town in and in a new bar. And you know, like, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. I was a 20 year old kid mm-hmm. and this was a chance to see the country playing music for a living. And, you know, I made a lot of lifelong friends that to this day, mm-hmm. you know uh, we've, we've stayed in touch with, there was a real fraternity of us that, um that did this and it in the year 2020 it seems like a very foreign idea but there was actually a circuit and a scene and uh like you said sunday was uh travel days were always exciting because we'd be driving down the highway and you'd have your eyes peeled for you know what other band oh we passed that one they got a newer suv or um
0: <laughs> newer cube band
1: they had a new camper style vehicle oh they're playing the good gigs those guys and uh we'd run into each other at gas stations along the highway. And yeah, it was a really, it was a surreal experience.
0: It was awesome. When you uh, first started out there and hitting all these bars, were you getting tired of, uh, you know, burgers and and fries and things like that? At the
1: time, no, man, (laughs) I was living. That was, I mean, this is the big time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can afford the big, I can afford, I can afford the full meal deal now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was 20 years old and I was skinny and to some degree attractive to the opposite sex. I mean, this was, <laughs> it was it was awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: don't we remember our skinny 20s, boy. I wish we, could. <laughs> we try to go back to those. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What was the second band that uh, you joined?
1: Then I joined a band called uh, the Mark Lorenz Band. He was based out of Calgary mm-hmm. and basically did a very similar, uh, very similar circuit to what we did with trick rider. Mm -hmm. Although, uh, Mark was recording a few songs of his own and started to promote towards radio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was kind of my first experience of, you know, dipping your toe in the actual music business of selling music. Right. And again, I was the side guy guitar player, so I was just kind of learning and picking up on what it was about. And it was, um, but at, by that point, though, the six night bars were turning into five nights, mm-hmm. and then four nights, mm-hmm. and it basically whittled down to back threes, and and j- then some of them were just Friday Saturdays. So the money, of course, went down, mm-hmm. and I wound up sleeping on people's couches, you know, for three days of the week, and then you go do your gig, and you're basically like a homeless guy with a with a lot of luggage and a cube van. Yeah, well, I, no, I didn't have the band. I was just, <laughs> just, I had an old truck.
0: You're you're just the guy.
1: Yeah, I was that homeless guy with a bunch of luggage that was waiting for his next gig, and the people were saying, all right, well, you know, it's kind of nice having you here, but don't you have somewhere to go?
0: <laughs> well, you could always off- offer your uh, house cleaning services. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's
0: right. So what made you, uh, when did the big jump to uh, J.J. Voss, uh, you know, from, from being in the bands make that jump?
1: Well, after that scene, petered out, and I wound up coming back home, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of had a decision to make, was I going to, you know, grow up and get a real job, so to speak, or or how or how could I avoid that? How could I, you know, keep chasing my dream and do it? So what ended up happening was, was there was one uh, nightclub left. Uh, pretty much there was in Canada or Western Canada, anyhow, that I knew of, that was still committed to doing live music, but they were actually doing kind of concerts. They were bringing in uh, bands from all different scenes and different uh, genres. Mm-hmm. And I got a job as a sound guy there. I applied and pretty much every band that I'd ever been in from a, as a kid, I by default became a sound guy just because I kind of started the band and I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. So I applied to the, the guy that was, that had the contract at this room and um, he took me under his wing and he kind of trained me. He put me in the a crash to- course to become a professional concert sound man. Wow. And so for the next few years, it was, yeah, it was like free school. It was like u- university. And I made, again, your connections that you made in that world was on another level. That was in the touring world, the people that were selling music. hmm And uh, we had everybody from the tea party to, um, oh, there was metal bands. And so, you know, I basically kind of had to take a step back from performing and kind of look at my dream from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I managed to make a living. I managed to, uh, it was a stable job. Mm -hmm. It was still in the music business. And I gained a skill that that was very valuable. It allowed me to buy a house and kind of, you know, get a little, some sort of semblance of normalcy.
0: That's what I, I didn't even know that of you. What, a, what an experience to, to learn. You don't, you don't, as a performer, you don't usually get the back end of that.
1: No. Well, I, I guess it was my, uh, it was my way to try to figure out how to, uh, how to stay in the music business. Uh, I wasn't a virtuoso guitar player. Mm-hmm. I was, my phone wasn't ringing off its hook to go be a session player. Um, you know, I, I was, so I became valuable at a lot of different things. Mm. Or I became competent at a lot of different things and it served me well because again, that, uh, I, after that nightclub closed down or, uh, They didn't close down after I left there. Mm -hmm. I went on to work for Emerson Drive for a lot of years uh, as their sound guy. And so that kind of took me to another level of touring and, you know, another level of connections and learning the music business. But uh, while I was working at that nightclub and, you know, it's a bit of a change of mindset Mm -hmm. to be on the other side of the curtain, not on stage. And you have to learn to, you know, be the support. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always about you. Um, it was kind of then that I really sat down and you know had a conversation with myself and said, "What do I really want to do in the big picture? What did I always want to be?" Right. And from the time as a kid, I wanted to be that singer-songwriter troubadour. That um, you know that that was always really where my heart lied. Mm-hmm. But for one reason or another, I never really grabbed that you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and, and pursued that. And I, at that time was pushing 30 years old. And I said, well, you know, why not now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was, I got serious with myself at that point, And i started finishing songs instead of as a songwriter, I used to sit down and have scraps of paper everywhere, but nothing finished. Mm-hmm. I took on some sense of urgency and I actually started finishing songs and I started to craft some sort of a plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, and that was kind of my first foray into being an artist.
0: And it's more of a challenge nowadays uh, as an independent artist to get your songs onto the radio.
1: Yeah, that it is.
0: And and how does yeah. that affect a guy like yourself?
1: Well... It's hard, and I mean, you always compare yourself to other people your age. And now, especially because I'm getting, I've been around a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, everybody's getting younger, and they so you can't help but compare yourself to situations and wonder why, you know, why isn't it happening this way for me? But one thing I have learned is, everybody walks in different in their own shoes, mm-hmm. and you don't know, you don't know exactly what their situation is. I know people who have big pushes, like big management pushes, and they're in the spotlight, and they're not all that happy <laughs> in, uh-huh. in the deals that they're. Doing. So you know, sometimes being an independent uh, artist, without you know, where you do have control of what you're doing, and right. is deliberating. There's, there's, there are positives to it for sure.
0: At the end of the day, you have the say. Right?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about your new single that is uh, just out now. And uh, we'll talk about obviously there's uh, album coming out. So let's talk about the new single. The title is?
1: It's called Come Along with Me.
0: Ah, uh, great little song. We had a chance to listen to it. Tell me a little bit about this song and where it came from and why. Well, we're living in a,
1: in the last five years especially, but we've become, we're living in a very divided world right now. And, um,. I had to take some time off a few years ago with, uh, I had a surgery and there was quite a long recovery time Mm -hmm. and I had no choice but to, you know, stare into the eye of the beast when I'd log into my social media or, or turn on the news. And all you saw was, you know, division and unrest. And it seemed to me like the world was eating itself, Mm -hmm. um, you got people who, on social media who used to be friends; they're not friends anymore because they get locked into these, you know, terribly destructive arguments. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you—I just saw a lot of people dividing and and a lot of destruction in personal relationships going on. And I played a role in that myself. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've found myself wrapped up right right in the trenches as well. So that was the thought behind the song. Is like. Can't we just leave? I wanted to do something with my voice as an artist to bring people together instead of to perpetuate that division.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's where this all spawned from then. That's right. You wish sometimes that our world could just kind of push that big button, reset, and and move on, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as an artist, you try to... Um, you try to... Or at least I do, or the artists that I've, uh, I've looked up to as... Uh, he, from my childhood have been artists that have tried to put a mirror up to have a look at what's going on in with current events and you know provide empathy but also make statements and and to try to you know give people an outlet so you know i just hope that uh, I hope that the world can come back together and soon.
0: Who are the artists that you did look up to as a child, as you're growing up and, you know, listening to music?
1: Probably the number one influence would have to be Steve Earle.
0: Really? Yeah. And why Steve uh, Earle?
1: I th- think it was just the timing. Here he was this guy that in 1986, he was, he was different than everybody else at the time. And he, you know, he was rough around the edges, long haired, renegade. Um, he, he didn't really color inside the lines. It spoke to me because I was kind of that misfit kid in where I grew up.
0: Mm-hmm. Your favorite song from Steve Earle that really just impacted you then?
1: Uh, as a kid, oh, you know, it's really hard to pick one song just because I looked at. Uh, I didn't listen to one song at a time when I'd put the cassette on. I'd listen to the entire record. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, obviously, get to our town. Yeah. Uh, that- this first one out of the gate that it spoke to me because I had aspirations and I had dreams of, uh, you know, be being that, being that kid in guitar town.
0: Yeah. Now in, uh, you know, 2020, who are the artists that you're listening to and, 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 uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that obviously, you know, getting up there in in age, but you're not super old. (laughs) We're not old yet. But, you know, the artists are are younger and younger. But who are the artists are you looking at right now? We are becoming wiser. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Right. I forgot. My (laughs) wife keeps telling me that and I keep forgetting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jason Isbell, I guess, has to be the number one artist in the last five years that's really... Left an impression on me. Uh, He's he's writing very uh, relevant tunes that say that that deal with issues, Mm -hmm. and they're very intelligent and they speak to. They're the anti the anti pop type songs, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I mean he takes on any topic. He he wrote a song about a friend that had cancer. Right. And uh, it was called, the song called Elephants. Yeah. And uh, he, he just has that, um, he has that gift to be able to say something, say some, the same story in a different way that makes you say, wow. So uh, Jason Isbell is definitely uh, at the top of my playlist these days. A guy by the name of Paul Thorne mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Mississippi. I found his music probably about 10 years ago. And, it's it's right up there, too. He's one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Canadian fellow by, by the name of Mike Plume. Uh, I've had the good fortune to be able to write with him uh, numerous times. He's brilliant, mm-hmm. and his music is incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. The Canadian music industry, or the Canadian music scene, rather, is uh, you know something that is changing all the time. Our landscape is getting bigger and bigger from back in the day. Uh, you know, what are you seeing as an artist in Canada right now? Has the landscape changing?
1: I think what I'm seeing is, in general, the Canadian music scene and especially the country music scene, which I've been involved in, are kind of learning how to market themselves now. And the there's becoming the infrastructure and industry um, around it. Mm-hmm. So the, the good and the bad in that is is it's really, really... Railroading or pushing out independent artists, mm-hmm. but the positive in it is, is there's some pretty big su- success stories coming out of it, mm-hmm. like Brett Kissel, uh, Jess Moskaluk, yep. um, Tennille Arts, mm-hmm. Tennille Towns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, those names are blowing up on a big scale. Uh, the, again, and that which is fantastic and it shows you the strength of the artistry. Mm-hmm. I just think that the industry that does tend to Kind of, or is really working to really nudge out and push out the independent artists that don't have that big push.
0: Mm-hmm. You've got a new album. Let's talk about that.
1: Yes, and it's uh, by the same. It's the title track was "Come Along With Me," and uh, there's nine songs on the record, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of everything. It's the theme is pretty consistent throughout, and it it is. It's about being better whether it be a, being a better person as an individual uh, to your partner or being better in a, in a bigger scope when look, being more tolerant and accepting each other for our differences. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a song on there that addresses kind of the bullying topic mm-hmm. that unfortunately, you know, as kids, pretty much everybody has to go through at one time or another. Mm-hmm. There's one, there's one, just uh, there's one fun song that because I took on a lot of uh, heavy topics, I needed one song just to break the tendencies, and uh, that one's about getting in your car and driving and letting the letting the wind blow through your hair. The last song we we added a bonus track, and it's uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, my friend Darlene Taletta and I recorded a, a couple of years ago at harvest time. I drove up to we're both farm kids she grew up on a farm and so did i and neither of us happened to be turned out to be farmers in the end but her uh it was harvest time her dad's kwanzat was empty and you get that great big reverb when you're in an empty steel you know structure yeah so i drove up to her farm and we uh set up the iphone and we recorded a version of uh Murray McLaughlin's Farmer Song from
0: 1972. Oh, wow. And we threw
1: it out there on uh, Labor Day weekend as, you know, wishing the farmers well at harvest and, you know, to show our support. And it kind of caught fire. We uh, we had about 150,000 views within a couple of weeks on it, and it seemed to really resonate. So fast forward to this album project, we said, well, we'd be kind of crazy not to record a version of it and included on the album. And in the meantime, one of our, both of our heroes by the name of Charlie Major got a hold of us, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, I saw your video on the web. I, I used to sing that song every night in my cover show when I was, when I was touring." I said, "If you're going to record that, he said I, uh, I'd, I'd like to sing on it with you." And when your childhood hero wow. calls you up and says he wants to sing a song with you. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I got goosebumps listening to you say that. That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So, and uh, there it was talked about for months, and I wasn't sure if it was actually going to happen. But lo and behold, it did. And in the end, uh, I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And I can die tomorrow, and I can say I sang with Charlie Major.
0: Isn't that <laughs> wild? Well, and the world has definitely changed in in the you know where people get their music now. I mean, you were talking about listening to Steve Earle on a cassette, but now. You know, we're all digital, and how's how is that for you? You know, a guy like yourself who's you know been where you've been and listened to the music you listen to, and now so you got 150,000 hits on the farmer song. How was that for you?
1: Incredible. I mean, it was an incredible feeling, and uh, the the everything moving to the digital realm is um, it's like anything. It's awesome and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome because you can have 150,000 people watch a song that you recorded in a, you know, in an afternoon, they comment on it and they share it and it makes you feel awesome and great. Mm -hmm. You're not really able to monetize that and make a living at it, Mm -hmm. but it helps you build your brand, which you have to figure out from that point forward, how to monetize it. Right. And that's, I think the, you know, the million dollar question now for all of us is how do we take people if they like what you're doing, how do you manage to scrape out a living doing it? <laughs> JJ, where,
0: where do people find you on social media, my friend?
1: Uh, Facebook is probably the platform that I'm most active on, uh, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and pretty much all of them. JJVoss.com is my website. It kind of ties them all together. So if you want to start there, you could probably branch out to all those sites from there.
0: Excellent. J.J. Voss, congratulations on the new single, the new album. Always great catching up with you, and uh, go green.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a TimBlockOnAir.com production.